You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's sunny out. It's warmer than it's supposed to be. Sunny. It feels like a, a nice spring day going into uh, the 15th of December when we're recording this. So. Right. right. <laughs> I hear winter's coming. That's what the paper says, at least. Yes. I believe it when I see it. It was here last week and then it left. So, Listen, I don't care if winter comes as long as the sun stays out. Right. Well, you know, a little, little uh, weather volatility to go with some stock market volatility. That's right. So interestingly enough, as we record this podcast, the market has been going gangbusters the last couple of days, which is not what we're here to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing very well. We're going to talk about the exact opposite. And that is how do you deal with your first market downturn in retirement? Right. So what happens when things go the other way and you are a recent retiree? How do you deal with that? Yeah. So, So everybody's always talking about invest for the long term, mm-hmm. you know, stay put. In the short term, the markets are volatile. In the long term, the averages work out. Well, how does that work when you're in that transition mode, right? Yeah. Well, and, you know, interestingly enough, and, and, and part of why we're talking about this is that's all really good, solid information. And when you're you know, 20, 30 years old, it's really easy to follow because you have a lot of time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But that starts to change a little bit as you transition into retirement. Right, right. Well, it, but what really changes is our perception, yes. from my point of view. I mean, there are, there are some technical things. It's not, it's not untrue that you don't have more time today than you had yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. But, yep. but how we think about it is probably more important than the actual mechanics of it. Yeah, I mean, there's this kind of flip that seems to switch once you turn on retirement, which is right. not right. putting more money in anymore. Right? Now you're making it out, right? <laughs> like time's not necessarily on my side like it used to be. And all of a sudden, this mythical pot of money that I've just been building and growing for the last 30 years has to turn into like enough for me to survive right. for the next 30 years of retirement. <laughs> right, right. It's a big psychological shift for sure. Right. So, so let's walk walk through that a little bit. And so, you know, the first point that we're always trying to drive home to people is that stock market downturns are a fact of life. Right. Yep. There's really no way around that. Yeah. And you know, there have been between eighty and ninety corrections since World War II. We def- so so over the last eighty some years, going on ninety years, there there have been on average one major stock market correction every year, and we define a correction by a drop of ten percent or more from the high, right? Yep. So in so so the range in in the S so and we're, and we're generally talking about the S and P five hundred when we talk about these numbers, just mm-hmm. you know for for reference sake. But, you know, we're talking a range of between a positive 38% and a minus 39% since 1980. Yet the historical average since 1980 is 9%. Right. So, <laughs> so just to, you know, wrap your head around that. If you stay invested in the S&P 500, 
your average since 1980, you know, as long as you and I can remember pretty much, right. has, been, <laughs> has been 9%. But yeah. in any given year, it's likely to see a movement in that range of at least a 10% downside. Yeah, and I, you know, that's kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around as an investor, because if I say to you, well, your average return is going to be 9%, you assume that you're going to be somewhere in the ballpark every year, right? And the reality is you never will. Like, you're never going to get a 9% rate of return. <laughs> so psychologically, that's that's hard. And, yeah. you know, and as you're getting closer to retirement, some of the things that make you feel better about it when you're 30 no longer right. apply, like you said, like like the idea that a dip in the market is an opportunity. We drive yeah. that home with our younger investors. So we've said it a million times on this podcast yep. that stock market volatility to the downside is your friend when you're buying in. Yeah. That no longer applies when you're 65 and, and switching gears. Right. And, and then you add the emphasis of relying on your portfolio to create that income makes it even scarier. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like... If we're talking to somebody who's 63 and getting ready to retire in the next two years, how long do they still have in the markets, potentially? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, life expectancy says 30 years. <laughs> right. Right. We use, you know, in our financial planning software for couples looking to retire now, if they've, if they've lived a, a healthy life through their early 60s, we're using their early 90s as kind of a target. Point is that short term doesn't necessarily mean the same thing that it may mentally to those folks starting to getting ready to retire. It's it's kind of like people look at it as black and white, right? Like, hey, I'm retiring at 65, so I can't take risk anymore. Right. Any yeah. risk? You know, <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> if you have a 30 year retirement, you need some risk, right? Because right. you need that growth to keep up. Right. We want to keep we want to keep up with inflation. So mm-hmm. so that's part of it. It's just mentally getting past the idea of, of not slamming on the brakes at 65. Everything right. doesn't go into savings accounts at 65. Right. Um, you know, so 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 that's just kind of a, a little bit of the psychology behind it. But we're also, you know, strong advocates of financial planning, obviously. And, right. and mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, that should be part of it, too, is looking at your resources, coming up with a safe withdrawal rate and sustainable, sustainable spending policy and knowing that your plans for the next 30 years in retirement don't rely on you making 8% and being, you know, invested a hundred percent in stocks. And, you know, if you, if you lose, if you have that downside, it blows up your plan. Right. You know, for a lot of our clients, what we're really trying to solve for is like, what is the <laughs> least amount of risk that you can take with the highest probability that you won't run out of money. Right. right. We're never, we would never want to set somebody up because we know, we know and expect those volatile times if you're working with a financial planner, they're not going to set you up in a situation where if those things happen, all of a sudden your plan's no good. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, but I think that that's a common hurdle, I guess is the best word. I don't, you know, that, that people need to understand at 63 or 64, it's not like we're, it's not like all of a sudden we're expecting smooth sailing, you know, sunny weather all the time to make your right. retirement plan work. 
Well, to your earlier point, we expect that there's going to be corrections because it happens about once a year, right? Like, right. That's right. part of the plan. We know it's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And we know, you know, I already, I already know that kind of the genesis of this as a, as a topic is we know that that first one, first time that happens for a new retiree is going to be difficult for them. We're going to get that call, right? Like, oh gosh, you know, I I didn't mind when I was 58, but you know, boy, you know, now I'm really feeling it. And, and do we, is it time for me to cut my spending? You know, can we still do these things? Yeah. You know, did my plan completely get blown up? It's like, it's interesting because even if you started saving at 20 and you've been through several of these, it doesn't like, it doesn't matter how many you've been through that first one's always different when after retirement. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) And and that's, you know, that's, I'm I'm glad at this point that we can anticipate those kind of questions. But yeah, there's no, there's really, and it doesn't matter what we say ahead of time. It's still gonna, it's still gonna hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So, so financial planning answers, you know, make sure you've got a safe withdrawal rate, make sure you've done, you've, you've done your homework with, with some professional help, hopefully to make sure that your plan can survive those kind of downturns. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do too, especially with people going into retirement is like mentally walk them through, even though it's not going to be the same as actually doing it, but just showing them like, Hey, here's what a 20% drop in the market does to your plan and your probability of success. So at least your mind has gone there already, even though it won't be the same, at least you've kind of experienced some of it and kind of thought through it. Yeah, we've got, we actually have that, you know, down as one of the, one of the ways to deal with, with um, market downturns in general is habituating yourself to the idea. There's tons of research from psychology that shows the more that we're exposed to a concept, the less scary it becomes. So definitely stress test your plan. And I, I know you've done this too in meetings where we're working with somebody who was invested the, during the financial crisis and we're talking about risk tolerance and they're, you know, they don't really have a context for it until you start jogging their memory. Like, do you remember what it was like in, you know, yeah. <laughs> spring of, night of 2009 when it felt like the whole, like Wall Street was literally on fire? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the whole the whole island of Manhattan might just drift off and sink right. in the ocean. <laughs> so, you know, upset about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, remember what it was like to open those statements and experience that because, especially now in hindsight, of, you know, what are we going on 15 years now? It, mm-hmm. it almost seems. It, we I, we never want to take it lightly, but it's hard not to mentally feel a little silly about how scary it was back then. Boy, did we over overreact to that, you know? But that doesn't mean that the next time something happens similar, we're not going to overreact again because it's going to feel completely different and completely fresh. Yep, so, absolutely. So, so there's some financial planning answers, and then there's portfolio answers too, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you're Asset allocation is appropriate for your new circumstances. You know, that that changes over time. What's right for a 65-year-old heading into retirement is not the same portfolio that was right when they were 30. 
might not be the same portfolio when you're 85, right? You know, balancing that out, it doesn't mean 0% stocks for most people. It's going to mean, you know, where they may have been 90% stocks 15 years ago, it may mean 50 to 60% stocks or whatever's appropriate, you know, get, get get some help to figure that out. But, you know, we talk about glide paths yep. and that your asset allocation becomes more conservative as you approach when you need it. The basic principle, go over the, like the basic principle of the glide path and like why it's important to be more conservative as we get closer to retirement. Well, as you're getting closer to needing to liquidate investments to create your, your money, if those prices are moving down, you're having to sell more shares to create those that same $2,000 a month or whatever you need. And if right. you're selling in a bad market, you're selling more shares. It's the opposite of buying into a down right. market where you're buying more shares. When the market recovers, you're not going to have enough left to grow back with the market. So, right. you know, we, we try to gear it around how much you're going to need in any particular time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to see people holding cash for things that they know they're going to spend in the next couple of years. Right. And and that that insulates us from having to sell the part of their portfolio that's still in stock at a time when we don't want to. You know, I, I think it's just it's important from the standpoint of like the mechanics of it, but also from the standpoint of you know, how you think about it and how, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, there's a, I can't remember who said this, somebody much smarter than I am, I'm sure. But like the goal is to go to bed and sleep soundly at night, but be excited mm-hmm. to get up for the next day. <laughs> like yeah. you don't want your portfolio to, you know, have too much risk that you're worried about it, but also, you know, you want to enjoy retirement too. So, there, you right. know, it's kind of twofold. Well, um, yeah, like everything else, it's balanced. It, it just kind of as a side note, a lot of like folks heading into retirement are drawn to products that offer guarantees. And, you know, those can have their place and we don't completely shun those. But what people need to recognize is that any guarantee has a cost. Yep. Whether it's liquidity or a fee or just returns that aren't going to match up with what they will, you know, if you, if you didn't have the guarantee in the good times. So just, just recognize that there's no silver bullet out there. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because just like we're talking about the emotions of it, there's also salespeople out there that know exactly what those emotions are. And so they can, they can take that emotion and turn it into something that benefits them that maybe isn't in your best interest. So, you know, it's something that you definitely have to be careful of. And you're right, there's a cost to all this stuff. But, you know, most people aren't willing to pay the cost once they figure out what it is. But a lot of times that's buried in the weeds of the contract or whatever. It can be very difficult to figure out what that cost is. And I guess the way I look at it again is, is it's not, it's, it's not that we want to, totally avoid those things if they're appropriate. But the more mentally resilient we can make people, the less of that cost they'll have to pay. So just just be aware. You'll hear you'll hear those things are out there. Just know that they have a cost and try to quantify that cost before you're you're paying something you didn't didn't want to pay. 
So let's get into mindset. How do you build a yeah. mindset around a market correction? How do you, you know, strengthen well, your mental acuity yeah. in a situation like this? Back, back to where we started, you know, and, and this is following some techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy, but, you know, the kind of the first step is acceptance, right? Yeah. That idea that the markets are going to be volatile and there's going to be times that you're, you're going to feel emotionally distressed because of your right. portfolio. That's, that's yep. just good. If you're going to be invested, that's going to be a part of, part of the price you pay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, it's cost of doing business, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, so step two is to educate yourself a bit. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, have us have that spending plan and remind yourself that market corrections were part of that plan. Yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't tell you you could spend X a year without thinking that this was going to happen. Yep. Know in general how much risk you're taking, and remind yourself that corrections were part of that plan too. You know, when when we talk about what keeps you up at night, that's and, and risk tolerance. That's that's part of it. You know, I guess part of an education from my point of view that is difficult to get people past sometimes is that market timing doesn't work. We have a we have a built-in innate desire to take action when things are scary, when things are bad. And right. piles of research we could devote three hours to talking about why statistically market timing doesn't work and that the markets actually reward inaction when our brain wants us to take action. Just be aware that it's not a, when we talk about education, we're not, not talking about learning how to time the market and read signals. We're learning how to be mentally resilient instead. Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> the third thing then you, you touched on a minute ago is to habituate yourself by mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, when times are good, remind yourself like, hey, you know, you put, you open a state, it's quite common. We'll get comment even from our longtime clients, when we send out a performance report, we'll get a comment back. Oh, it was great. You know, keep up the good work. It's like, well, our good work was keeping you invested, right? <laughs> you didn't do it. And, you know, I, I also sometimes like fight the urge to forward them one from six months before when things were lousy. Right. Like, don't forget what, you know, this will, this will happen again. You know, yeah. don't, don't forget. Or one one thing you can do. I was kind of developing this for another another venue, but you know, take your portfolio value today and write it on a sheet of paper, right in the middle. And at the top, in the top left corner, write the name of the custodian or brokerage firm and make it look like a statement. And then next to it, take take whatever that first number is and multiply it. Well, I've worked out the math. Multiply it by 0.68 and write that number down. You know, it's kind of like, like, okay, this was a really bad month in the market. Write that and write it in red, you know, and subtract yeah. it too and write that in red. Like this was my monthly change. And just remind yourself that these things happen. If you don't, right. you know, if you don't have a statement going and just, and, and just think about like, what are your, how does that make you feel? What are your, you know, what is your response to that? What do you, you know, can you look at that number and say, well, okay, but you know, this too shall pass or, yeah. or can you just not, would that just totally derail you? Even if, even if you know, you've done the homework and your plan would withstand it. Can you mentally, you know, and, and mentally rehearse this? Don't, you know, there should be no surprises, right? It will help you. It will not get rid of all of those fears, right? And no, no, things no. Too, where like, 
having a financial advisor is so important because right. if you're doing this alone, who are you, you know, who are you talking through it with? Right. right. And like I think of our firm and, you know, it's, it's funny because we usually are on opposite ends of this where we're like, you know, pulling our hair out about something that we've read and how it's going to affect the market. And then we talk to the other person like, that's eh, going to be fine. Right. Like, yeah. Just having that is so important, even for us who are professionals and know exactly yeah. that these things are going to happen. You still are well, caught up in that emotion. Of it, right? <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know, when I read bad headlines or, you know, potential bad news that's going to affect the market, I don't think about my own money. I think about all the clients yeah. I'm going to have to try to explain right. this to. It's, yeah, it's a exactly. little different emotion, but, <laughs> uh, but it's there nonetheless. So kind of the next step, once, you, once you've kind of gotten through the idea of mentally rehearsing and accepting this is going to happen, is what's called cognitive distancing. The idea that between the stimulus, like opening the bad statement, and the response that you want to make, there's space to like do your thing, you know, right. to think about these things before you act. And yeah. the wider you can make that space, the better off you'll be. So put your hand on the stove and it's hot and you instantly pull back from it. Right. And there's no yep. space between. And you open that statement and you immediately want to do something, right? Yeah. You you wanna you wanna jump on e-trade and sell everything. Yeah. You know, right. or, and, and, and so the more space you can put there, which takes mm-hmm. deliberate, you know, that's a deliberate action. We've talked about uh, thinking fast and slow, Daniel Kahneman's book. And it's kind of like that system one thinking of immediate reaction, trying to replace mm-hmm. some of that with system two thinking with this logic ration, you know, and so, so some, some ways you might be able to do that. So if you work with an advisor, the space might be okay. My, I'm, I'm gonna. Re, my reaction is gonna be to schedule a call with Nick, but I'm not. But it, maybe that call's not gonna happen for a couple of days. So I've got some time to to absorb what's going on and really and go back to the education that that you you know the the things you know that you can fall back on, or you know if you work on your own, maybe um, make a point of only opening your statements on Friday evening because the market's closed. Can't do anything till Monday anyway, right? Whatever it takes to like put that immediate reaction away from immediate action to get some distance. And that's the, you know, you know, like you said, the, the system one, system two. And, you know, in my experience, people make the worst financial decisions when there's the most chaos going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, if, when you, ha- when you're in that heightened emotions, emotional state, like making a decision is probably the worst thing that you could do. Right. Even if you, Two days later, ended up making the same decision. At least you're a much better place than maybe you were when you yeah. originally thought about it. Another thing that I would add to this too, Dave, is you know I liked your idea about opening statements on Friday, but also like open your statement and think about that stuff when you're in a better frame of mind, right? Like if you're having a bad day, it's probably not a good idea to open a statement when you know the market's down, like wait until you're in a little bit better frame of mind emotionally to handle that stuff too. Yeah. Well, and part of it is recognizing that there's, there's, there's a fact that Mm -hmm. your portfolio is down, but then there's a judgment about that. Yeah. And you control that judgment. Right. Okay. And if your portfolio, if if your financial plan has been set up correctly, and you know that 
a market downturn is a fact of life that's built into that planning. What's bad is your perception. You feel like you're worth less, like you, you know, but, but if you get that space and you take that rational approach, your perception doesn't really matter. Right. It's just your judgment. And you can, you can kind of step back and say, okay, yeah, but I've got money in the bank to pay the bills and I don't need, you know, Nick set my plan up so that I can take my $3,000 a month without having to worry about these kind of downturns. Yeah. My perception of my portfolio doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And that's hard, but that's, that's what, that's what really is going to count. So Yeah, you know, open your statements at a time when you can't do anything about it. Set a rule of 72 hours to consider any portfolio action. I, one thing I thought of when I was reading some of this stuff that I don't think was listed, but we used to tell people when back when we traded individual stocks back when, in the brokerage days, that when they're picking a stock to write down the reasons, and when those reasons are no longer true, that's when you take action. That's when you sell that stock. So yeah. write down your reasons for why you're invested. And go back and look at what's, is anything really changed? Why did I choose this portfolio? What has changed? Yeah. You know, other than the market being down. Yeah, (laughs) right. Well, that's such great advice. And one of the things that we do with creating financial plans around retiring is we have this Mm -hmm. statement of purpose where like, this is the whole reason why we're doing all this, right? Right. That really helps ground you into like, yes, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I need this, you know, this is going according to plan so I can accomplish all these things that are what's most important to me. And just kind of reframing that into, you know, what's important in your life. So another along those lines, and the next point, you know, drawing from from psychology again is to decatastrophize your thinking. So think back to opening that really bad statement. Your immediate reaction is is to describe it in horrible terms, try to step back and actually describe it to yourself in neutral terms and and recognize that, again, it's your perception. If you can do it in neutral tones, and if, if writing it down helps, do it. But that is one way to help shift your perception from the short term to the long term and, mm-hmm. and get that space. Yep. And then kind of kind of the last technique, I guess, if you will, is to apply some reality tests. You know, ask yourself when you hear something, when you hear bad news and that, you know, this can be not just when you're looking at your statement, but say you're, you're sitting in the restaurant that got MSNBC on and they're talking about the dismal jobs report that just came out or, you know, everything's on me right now. So I don't have any great examples off the cuff. <laughs> Uh, you know, inflation is spiked again or whatever it is. And you're thinking, oh, you know, you know, what's this going to mean? Stop and ask yourself, like, what is the lasting structural impact this is going to have? Is this just a news blip like every other day we get something like this? Or is this something that really fundamentally changes the U.S. economy, the world economy in a way that it doesn't, the markets don't work the way they have before. If you start thinking in those kind of terms, you're going to realize that most of this is just chatter and noise to get you excited in the short run and doesn't mean much. Yeah. It's more likely that everything you're hearing on a day-to-day basis just has a short-term impact that comes out in the wash of that 9% to 10% average annualized mm-hmm. return, but is what yep. causes those gyrations in the middle that yeah. can 
to solve those headaches. Well, and I love that. Um, I'm sure we can find a copy of this chart, but that goes back into like the 1900s and mm-hmm. kind of lists out all the major things yeah. that happened. And like at the time, it was like, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, life goes on. The market continues to go up despite all of those many, many things that at the time right. felt really serious. But right. Right. Well, and, and on any given day, any piece of news, you might look at it and say, oh, that's horrible news. And then you look and the market's up anyway. It's like, yeah. does it not matter? Well, no, it means the market, it kind of, that news was bad, but the market had already anticipated it. Priced right. it in. And you don't, yeah. you don't know. And sometimes you'll hear good news and the market will be down. It's the same, same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, don't, don't use the headlines. Don't use today's news as your barometer because you'll just drive yourself insane. And I guess, um, I, I like this. I, I, I uh, keep asking yourself questions. So ask yourself the same question over and over. Okay, the jobs report is down. Okay, and then what? Well, right. that means the you know the economy is slowing down. Okay, then what? You know, just keep asking yourself like, what is this? What does this mean? Until you can get down to the root of, okay, so what does this really mean for Dave getting ready to you know to retire in X years, and why why would this matter? The jobs report is such a good, uh, you know, a, a good example because, like, if you're a retiree, you're not looking for a job. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah, you want the economy to do well, but it's not like it's going to like majorly affect you because you're not in the job market anyways. Like, yeah, so when you start going down that path, it becomes less and less meaningful, right? <laughs> right. Right. So. so you know, oftentimes we get so wrapped up into things like that, that it's, you know, it's not healthy and, you know, we overthink it a lot of times. So I like that, yeah. you know, continually asking yourself, what does it mean? What does it mean? What, what's it really mean? What if, right. what if this, then this, then yeah. okay. You know, and, and, you know, and I guess if, if you're, if you tend to be a pessimist too, I guess another way to look at it, I've played this game with people that, you know, when I get this, it comes up a lot with a gold question, right? Okay. So why do you want to buy gold? Well, because the world's falling apart. Well, okay, the world's falling apart. Then what happened? You know, at what point does it matter what you've done? Right. So so the flip side of it, you know, works too, that you might as well just, you know, stick with your long term plan. Because if things, if your mind is leading you to all these catastrophic situations, it's not going to matter what you do with your mind. Right. Exactly. You don't want to be glib about it, but. Um, more likely that's going to lead you to realize that what you're thinking about, what, what's scaring you about that particular news report really doesn't matter in the long run. Great advice. Lots to uh, think about, um, lots to, you know, to plan around, but it's definitely, you know, good things to think about before you retire, kind of preparing yourself for that stuff, because there's one thing that I will guarantee it will happen at some point in your retirement where <laughs> you have a market downturn, right? Like, yeah. we're not allowed to make a lot of guarantees on this podcast, but that's one that I that's feel one, like yeah. very the confident. Will be up and down. I will guarantee yeah. that all day long. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, this has been great. Thanks, Dave. As always, if our listeners have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. Dave, until next time, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. 
You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.